This is Strange Assembly episode 244, The Investigators of Mansions of Madness. I'm Chris Stevenson, and you're listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there, in the Google Play Music Store, in the Apple Podcast app, or through iTunes. We always appreciate it if you leave us a rating or review in iTunes, because that helps more people discover the show. You can also find us, we're at Strange Assembly on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly, and Instagram.com slash Strange Assembly. Today, uh, I'm going to be talking about a very specific topic, and... That is The Investigators of Mansions of Madness. Now, Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition from Fantasy Flight Games came out in 2016, and it is one of my favorite games. I love the fact that you don't have to have somebody play the Game Master anymore. I love the way that the app works. I love the storytelling aspect. And I I love the little bios for the characters. I I actually just got the Investigators of Arkham Horror book although that's not something I'm going to talk about today. But I wanted to drill down a little bit into this game that I I really like and look at the investigators and particularly what makes a good investigator. Now, there are a variety of scenarios in Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Some of them are very combat-heavy, and some of them have virtually no combat whatsoever. And if you go and you play a particular scenario multiple times, which you probably have to do if you actually want to win it, because these are usually not things that you beat on the first time, as you play that scenario repeatedly, you'll get a better idea of which characters are useful there. For example, if you have a scenario that involves a lot of interacting with people, Charlie Kane from Sanctum of Twilight will probably be extremely useful because he not only has a high influence if you have to do tests for talking to people, but he has an ability that is amazing as long as you're near a a person, right? And the other investigators aren't persons, just the, the NPC types. But there are other scenarios where his ability is completely useless. So what I want to look at here is, is generally the utility of investigators in a generic scenario. And that means in a generic scenario that there's some interaction with people, but there's usually not a ton of it or what interaction there is doesn't involve much in the way of influence roles, but there is going to be some reasonable amount of combat that's important in order to get through the scenario. So when thinking about these investigators, the things that I think about as far as whether or not they're they're good and effective to use are that first mansions of madness for all the atmospherics around it is a game about action economy and action efficiency you essentially are going into every one of these games on a clock you have a certain number of rounds and on each of those rounds each investigator is going to go once and that investigator is going to get their couple of actions And that's it. So you have a certain number of actions that you are taking over the course of the entire game. And if you want to do better at the scenarios, you want to make those actions more efficient. And now that has a couple of of impacts. 
which is one that any investigator who has an ability that takes an action, that better be a really good ability or it's just not going to be worth the action. For example, clues really aren't that good. Clues are basically the consolation prize when you take an action that doesn't really do much, right? I search this space and I look at the painting and what happens? Oh, I get a clue. Is a clue useful? Absolutely, a clue is useful. And you'll see some of the guys that I talk about as being useful are ones that generate clues, but they're ones that generate clues without using actions. So you want to be very careful about including a bunch of investigators that use actions and investigators that get action-like effects without using actions can be pretty primo. Of course, every investigator has a health and uh, a sanity, and those usually add up to about the same sort of thing, right? You have seven, seven, six, eight, nine, five. Well, those are not of equal value. Sanity is much more important than health. It's something that pretty much everybody loses all the time at some point. And you have a very high chance of losing the game if even a single investigator goes down to zero sanity and, and becomes insane. It's not crippling if an investigator has their health go to zero. It's not good, but they can still function very effectively. There are a lot of the sanity conditions where if you go down to zero sanity, you pull your card and it's a traitor card. And realistically, if there is a traitor in the party, they're not going to win. Mansions of Madness is already very difficult to win. Put one player in there who's actively trying to oppose the other players, and that's probably the end. So all of the things being equal, people with high sanity, better than people with high uh, health. Somewhat going along with that is that, in my opinion, Will is the single most important stat. Because every single character is going to test Will all the time. Every single game, right? There are so many Mythos effects that test on Will. And often they apply sanity damage if you fail them. So Will is extremely important for every character. In my ideal universe, every single the investigator that ran in, you'd want to have a will of at least four. That gets a little boring because that's a narrow pool of people. But you want to have a lot of will. Probably the next most important one is strength. Because if you get in some sort of fight, you want to have some way to fight. And strength is the most common stat that you're going to use to fight if you have just some random weapon. If you have a firearm... That's going to be agility, so that's handy, but unless you're running in with Tommy Muldoon, you don't have a guarantee of having a firearm. I know there are some people who are not as enamored of, of firearms because they actually have less damage dealing potential uh, a lot of the time, especially the lower level pistols, than just hitting somebody with a pipe does because they usually don't add successes onto the damage that you do, but... There's also a lot of action efficiency to be gotten with ranged weapons because you have situations where characters can shoot twice instead of moving and attacking once or can move and shoot instead of moving twice to try to get to the monster in the first place. 
but but sometimes you know the monster is going to spawn right on top of you and you need a way to be able to get out of that and strength is the most generic way to do that but there are other ways so i i would still rate will highest all of the other ones are are usually important influence is the least important generically observation and lore are important but you often don't know who's going to run into what so one of the other things to think about is is abilities that are generically useful i i mean the extreme example that i have that i think of is amanda sharp the student a character i really like as a character but her ability is that she can perform two additional puzzle steps while attempting a puzzle you're probably going to hit a puzzle in a game of Mansions of Madness. There's a decent chance you'll hit two puzzles, or in some scenarios you can hit a bunch. But, you know, there's a good chance you're going to hit a puzzle, too, in any given game of Mansions of Madness. But, what are the chances that Amanda is going to be the one hitting the puzzle? They're not great. Now, if you've played, like I said, if you've played the scenario before, and you know where the puzzle is, or where it's probably going to be, sure, you can pick Amanda and then have her make a beeline for the puzzle. But there's a good chance that it's going to be some other character that runs into the puzzle. And if it's some other character that runs into the puzzle, it's just not action efficient to have Amanda traipse over from the other side of the board to then try to save half of an action while doing the puzzle. It's just more efficient to have somebody who's bad at the puzzle just take an extra action to do the puzzle while they're there already at the puzzle, especially since you often don't know that it's a puzzle until you've attempted it the first time. So, oh, and puzzles and extremely good use of clues. Using a couple of extra clues to save an action by completing a puzzle early is often a much better use of them if, if you have the chance to do that than hoarding them for some possible future role. But with those in ahead, I, I do have these in order I'm not sure how seriously you should take the order. The ones at the at the end, I'm pretty convinced, are the best. But I kind of have the ones that I think are the the ten best investigators. The the, the first three are a little, little meh, but the the seven after that, I I do think are really nifty. And the first one that I have is Lily Chen from Sanctum of Twilight. And she has very solid across-the-board stats. She's got fours in her physical abilities, which is relevant. She's right in her strength and her agility. She's got a four in will. She isn't bad at anything. She's got at least a three in everything. So you're never going to run into something and just completely face plant. I mean, well, you might completely face plant, but at least you'll have a chance not to. You'll be rolling enough dice that you have a chance not to. But then her ability is that if she is attacking a monster unarmed and she does at least one damage to it, she does two more. Well, she basically comes in with a built she basically comes with a built-in melee weapon that can't be dropped. And that is handy. Tommy Muldoon is probably my number eleven, and he also comes with and he actually comes with a built-in weapon, which has a pretty handy ability. And honestly it comes down to me favoring her will of four over his will of three but i think tommy muldoon's also uh, a handy choice because of his his becky although i i note that i do play becky as written which is that it's a lucky charm that lets you re-roll the die on any roll not just on the combat roll although those can be handy my number nine investigator who is from the base game is min he fan 
and she is the secretary and her she is in here because of her ability and once per round she or another investigator can re-roll a die when resolving a test that's very handy that's a clue-like ability it can be better or worse than a clue depending on what thing is right it's not a clue when you get to use the clue is a guaranteed success but you have to actually have a magnifying glass to use a clue which you you don't with min now the reason that min is not higher even though i really like her seven sanity and i really like her ability is that she only has a will of three and one of her best stats is influence which like i said is not as useful although she's got a, a decent observation and agility but really it's the the will that's keeping her further down here and if you don't want to play with a character with three will, I'm not going to blame you. I, Whenever I'm playing with somebody who has not played before, I never push a character on them that has less than four will. I mean, if that's the character they want, that's the character they want. But I don't, you know, want somebody's experience to be uh, overwhelmed by a quick loss of sanity and the will helps with that. Uh, but my next highlighted investigator is Marie Lambeau, who also has three will. And again, while having three will, she has a, a very potent ability, which, which gets her up in here. And that is that at the start of your turn, you can cast a spell without spending an action. Now, in general, I am not a fan of characters that require a specific kind of item to work. Because... Who knows if you're going to get that item? Or if you get that item, are you going to get it because somebody else picked it up and then you had to waste actions to get it in your hand? So, eh, I don't know. But you start the game with a spell. And that means that Marie Lambeau is probably going to have something to do with the spell. She also, I just like the fact that she lets you use a lot of spells that are otherwise useless. The spells that are used in combat you're going to use because it gives you a way to participate in combat which that character may not otherwise have because you know okay the gun's gonna go here and the knife's gonna go there but it's really rough to use a lot of the spells other than that using a spell to focus somebody or using a spell to maybe heal them is a bad action like an action for one health is a bad trade and it's not just an action for one health it's an action for a health with who knows what bad thing might happen if you mess up your roll or you succeed at your roll because that's you know what the back of the spells do but marie lambeau lets you take something that would otherwise be an action and you get to do it for free that gives you the possibility of some real efficiency if you can start you know healing somebody or focusing somebody without using an action now it's worth it i like the fact that it gives you more of an ability to play with these cards that otherwise you would not really be able to do so I, there's kind of a, a break for me. I'm very confident that the seven characters that I am going to talk about now are really good and deserve to be in a top 10. You could easily convince me that my eight and nine and 10 don't deserve to be eight, nine and 10. Maybe they're only in the top 15 or, or something like that. There are other, you know, there's another four or five characters you've got there that there are arguments to be made for. But I, I really, really like all of the ones that I have left here. And that starts with Carson Sinclair, who is from the base game. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Marie Lambeau is in the Streets of Arkham expansion. 
And Carson Sinclair is my last character who's going to appear here with three will, and maybe he should be higher, and maybe I'm overrating the importance of having at least four will. But he's also a character who has an action, but his action is to let another character take an action. And that is, especially if, if you're at the higher level player counts, that is so strong. When you have a character, you, you, it's, it happens all the time that you have a character who is in a really good position to get stuff done, but they only have the two actions. And the Carson then can kind of stay in a centrally located area. And oh yeah, he can slowly work his way through some search tokens. But while he's doing that, whoever it is who's got the thing that absolutely has to be dealt with right now, they get another action to deal with it. Do you need that puzzle done right now? Does that monster need shot right now? Does somebody need to just run away to get out? so you can win the game. Carson is very good at letting people run like crazy across the room. So, and that's the, Carson Sinclair is the, the butler. He's, he's got good observation and lore. He's not that great in a fight, but the ability lets you make your actions a lot more efficient than they might otherwise have been. My next favorite one, uh, also from the base game, is Sister Mary. She's got a will of five. She's got a sanity of eight. So, hey... You can see I'm happy with that. She's not great in a fight, but you know she's at least got threes. She doesn't have twos. And then her ability, similar to the secretary's, uh, Sister Mary the Nun, once per round, another investigator within range can convert a magnifying glass to an elder sign, so a, a, a not a success to a success while, ro while resolving a test. That can be extremely handy. Again, she's essentially free clue generation. So, right, clues... Clues are not worth actions, but clues are still good. And these are clues without actions on a character who stays around very well and is not great at fighting, but, eh, you know, whatever. You can try to do something and is not great at spellcasting, but, hey, has a lore four if need be. And that's, that's Sister Mary uh, the Nun. Uh, my number five, also from the base game, William Yorick. You'll note that I have a great respect for the investigators that are in the base game. I also love William Yorick because the Shakespeare reference, I cannot get over how entertaining that is, at least for me. Alas, alas, poor Yorick, I knew him, Horatio. Whenever a monster is defeated, he gains a clue. He's got balanced stats, he's got a good strength, he's got a good will. He's just really handy at staying around, he's really handy at fighting, and he's not bad at anything. And if you are playing a, rel a even moderately combat-heavy scenario, he can generate more clues than he knows what to do with. I have seen games where William Yorick is sitting there with five clues and the player is like, could I please get some role to spend clues on? <laughs> but he could be extremely good. Now, if you know you're playing a scenario that's one of these mystery solving things with almost no combat, or you know there's like one fight right at the end, all right, that's going to be pretty bad. But, you know, like I said, these are generic sorts of ratings. My number four uh, on my preference list is also from the base game, Agatha Crane, the parapsychologist. Now, Agatha is a bit narrower a character than some of the other ones, but she hits a lot of the points that, that I've talked about so far. She has 
an extremely high sanity, a 9. She's only got a 5 health, and she's only got a 2 strength, so you desperately need to keep her out of physical confrontations. But she sticks around very well on the sanity side. She's got the 9 sanity, she's got the 4 will, and she has a 5 lore. So the reason why Agatha is up here is because, like I said with Marie Lambeau, you get a spell at the start of the game, and there's also a good chance you're going to find some sort of combat spell during the game. Well, you really, 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 really want a high lore for those spells. And you really want a character in your group who can use the spell that the game's going to give you anyway, and who could maybe use a spell that gets picked up. And Agatha is extremely good at using spells. Plus, every time she resolves a horror check, she gains a clue. You know what? You resolve horror checks all the time in this game. That's uh, like Yorick, but even more reliable, a pile of extra clues to run around. So uh, Agatha Crane, my favorite uh, spellcaster. So I have her up here in my list of, of potent investigators to use in Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. But the last three here are really excellent. My number three is Finn Edwards from the Streets of Arkham. And he is here because his ability is once per round, you can move a space before or after performing a search action. After moving, searching is the most common action performed in the game. And it is always a little frustrating when you're like that one space away or you want to, to, to move away or you, you move and you, you move two spaces and you get to a search token and you search there and then you know you're going to have to waste more actions later on. Well, just like little one extra pips of movement can be enormous. He can do just great maneuvering. He's he's especially satisfying to use when you have a something to search in a dead end. You know, you go in there, you search, and now you actually can start getting back out when you otherwise would be stuck down there in that, you know, bathroom or whatever it is at the end of the corridor. He has four will, so he's got that covered. Now, He's not great otherwise. I mean, he's got six sanity, not great. He doesn't have amazing combat stuff built in, and he can't spell cast. So Finn Edwards, you know, does does have some weak spots. You know, his when when your other best stats are observation and influence, that's not amazing. But he's a good talker when you need a, when you need talking and searching and moving is something that every character is going to do in every single game of Mansions of Madness, and so that is just some efficiency for Finn Edwards. My number two character, Ashcan Pete, whose, whose figure appears in the Recurring Nightmares figure and tile collection or in Mansions of Madness 1st Edition, is... Who cares about Ashcan Pete? He comes with Duke. He comes with Duke. Right? Like, I talk about action economy. One of the actions that you almost never want to take normally is trading there are some times that you have to do it, but you've already used an action to pick up the item in the first place. To use another action to do it again? Ugh. Don't want to do that. But Duke, kind of like Marie Lambeau, but even better, Duke lets you do a trade as if Ashcan Pete was in any space within range. And it's not an action. So it lets Ashcan Pete trade with somebody else. It lets other people in that space trade with each other because when you activate a trade, it covers everyone in the space. It can let you use potent attacks multiple times because you can have character A say, 
fire the shotgun, and then Ashcan Pete can execute a trade and hand the gun off to character B, and then on character B's, or, or to himself, and then on character B's turn or on Ashcan Pete's turn, they can then fire the weapon twice. Uh, it gets you a lot of shots. Now, we do play that Ashcan Pete can't trade Duke, because uh, otherwise you can go some pretty bonkers thing where, like, on every single character's turn, they can execute a trade if they want, if you really want to be over the top about that passing around the shotgun. But Ashcan Pete also has high strength and agility for fighting. He's got a four will to keep himself sane. He's got seven sanity. His bad stat is influence, and who cares? Least important stat. Best place to have your dump stat. Ashcan Pete, fantastic but not as fantastic as Rita Young, the athlete from the base game. If you have played Mansions of Madness, you even once with this character, you have surely noticed how incredibly good her ability is, right? I, I talked to, with Finn Edwards about how good getting a little extra bit of movement could be. Rita Young just always moves an extra space whenever she moves. It is the action that every single investigator has to take over and over and over again. And Rita Young basically gets a free move action if, you know, per turn if you want, or half a free, you're almost always going to get half of a free move action. She's got a five strength, so she is amazing at whacking people over the head with heavy objects. She has a four will, so she's good at at resisting horror, which is important because her biggest weakness is that she only has five sanity. Like Ashcan Pete, she's only got two influence, but eh, whatever. Don't care. Uh, Rita Young from the base game, strongest uh, investigator in Mansions of Madness, in my opinion. So uh, that's, that's, you know, my top 10. But the important thing, I think, is not so much what the top 10 is as what the principles were that animate them and of course which ones you enjoy playing i mean i i can sit here and say that i think rita young is the strongest but does that mean that you want rita young in every single game i mean you you might want ash can't beat in every single game because it, it really changes how often you get to use the items in a in a more optimized fashion but it, it can especially be helpful because they, the raid mansions of madness is is a hard game and so you, you want to balance and go in with your eyes open as far as variety versus competence. You know, I, uh, you know, something like action, flip over one damage or discard a damage, just not good, just not efficient actions. And you can choose to play that if you want to play that character, but Mansions of Madness is hard enough as it is. So those are what I think makes a good investigator in Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Those are my favorite investigators from a, a power level perspective. You know, the ones that these are the investigators I want on my side when I'm going into that mansion. But overall, Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, a couple of years on, still an amazingly good game. Continues to be supported by Fantasy Flight. There's another expansion that's just about to come out. So you can check that out at your friendly local game store. But, you know, hey, uh, let me know what you think about these investigators. Let me know if you think that there's somebody else that we're overlooking, uh, some other principle that we're ignoring in, in coming to these. You can go to our website, strangeassembly.com, and you can leave comments there. There's a post for every one of our episodes if you have any thoughts on it, or you can email those to me directly. 
chris at strangeassembly.com. There's also a post on our Facebook page every time there's a new episode, and that's yet another place that you can leave us comments. So you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter. Check out what new usually game or geek-related photography we've got going on on Instagram, where we're also Strange Assembly. But until then, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.